Welcome to the Soulful Eclectic. I'm your host, Diana Collins, and I want to welcome you to the next episode of everything, right? Um, this episode is actually part two to Chris Sudanka's uh, story of regaining yourself after a divorce, so life after a divorce. So um, yeah, so we're going to pick up where we left off. We're talking about being okay with being by yourself is where we left off last time and how is how to become okay with being by yourself when you've always been a, a partnership had a partnership been a duo so now growing and being single again and how has that begun to change his life because it's still happening right his the change is still going on the journey is still happening and so how has that been reflective in his life so with that we go into part two thank you learning how to be with yourself that successfully (laughs) (laughs) i'm glad you added that in there successfully because there, there's it's it's hard to be with yourself. It really is. It can be. It, um, yeah, and I wanted to ask: Did you ever seek therapy at some point um, to help you navigate this at all? I think that's, from the divorce, yeah. and you know, I, I know would, you said you worked mm-hmm. on the divorce, and so my wife and I went through a lot of marriage counseling, um, and then it ended. And when I moved to Arizona, I was really struggling. And, um, you know, Catholics really don't believe in divorce from the old canon laws. Right. But the church, I, I will say, St. Patrick's Catholic Church here, they, I would start to go to Mass there. And they had a thing in their bulletin that said, we have a divorce support group. Now, that sounds so simplistic. But for a Catholic church to have a divorce support That's group, it was mind-blowing to me. It's like, huge. my goodness. <laughs> And again, I'm not a group joiner. I've never been that kind of, but I was like, maybe I need that. Right. But I, the reason I tell this part of the story, because I think it's very male. And the males, and even the women listening will nod their heads and believe this. It's like, it's like, oh, I'm going to go to this divorce support group, which I did. But I also started doing some counseling on my own. And in my mind, this was, I don't know, like, let's say November. I was like, oh. I'm going to the counselor once a week. I'm doing the divorce support group once a week. And by January, I'll be fine. Like one <laughs> plus one equals two. It's a, I'll be good. And then January rolls around, and I'm still a big giant mess. <laughs> but uh, that, my male brain that was like, oh. brain. It's like, I'm going to pound in this nail, and then the, you know, it's going to hang up there forever, and then it falls down. You know, it's so, but that's how I thought. I mm-hmm. like, uh, so I did... Not much counseling. Both of those, the divorce support group and the counseling, didn't last that long. But I think for the, sh- the, the one or two months that I did them both, it gave me an outlet. Because mm-hmm. when you live alone, unless you talk to the walls, you're not talking to anybody. Mm-hmm. Because at work, you're not, you shouldn't be discussing your whole life, <laughs> life's problems. <laughs> so we hear a lot at work. It's like, oh I think gosh. we all do, but. Uh, <laughs> um, it was I was able to get a lot of stuff out mm-hmm. of me. Good. And some people need a lot more, and so it's not that I'm special or did anything right. It's just you did what you I needed. was able to get it out of me to help me move forward. Mm-hmm. I didn't move forward in giant steps right away, but I got it out of me and helped. It's so you know, life is so funny. We've all known how many people are divorced or 
challenges in life. But then when I was divorced, you feel like you're the only one going through that. It's mm -hmm. so ridiculous. But in the moment, you feel like, God, oh, nobody understands what I'm going through. Right. I had a brother that had gotten divorced, but he'd been married like one year or something. I was like, he doesn't, this, he has no clue. It's completely different than being with someone 20 years. And you feel like you're the only one, like nobody can understand. And mm -hmm. it's like, uh, I think everybody can understand for the most <laughs> part. But that's how you feel. Yes. You really, mm -hmm. and maybe not everybody, but that's how I know a lot of people are talking. That's how you feel in the moment. Like nobody can nobody understand understands. you, nobody can relate. Mm -hmm. And. That counseling, more so than the divorce support group, because that was a group, but the individual counseling gave me a chance to get a lot of things out of me. Mm -hmm. And um, that was really helpful. And I think if I wouldn't have done both of those things, um, I wouldn't be, wouldn't have been able to move forward as, as quickly, which wasn't quick, but mm -hmm. I probably might still be struggling in some ways. But that, but that also took... I've just shared that, but I, there's probably... Most of the people in my life don't know that I did that because mm -hmm. as a male, we don't share that we no. ever want to go to a counselor or that we would need the help. And I never have mm -hmm. with very, very few people, very few. Um, I'm not ashamed of it, but you certainly don't as a man. We don't run around and promote it. No. And I'm not saying we shouldn't. I'm just being honest. It's like I didn't call my buddies. Hey, I, yeah, it's just at my counselor. Like, um, <laughs> what? <laughs> so it's just it's it's. It's that macho, I guess, sign of weakness or how, whatever you want to call it. But I had something in me told me that I needed to do it. Nobody told me to do it. Nobody suggested that I should do it. Right. I, I, I think there was a part of it was I was very, very sad, mm -hmm. rightfully so, living here and alone. And, and I felt anger that wasn't directed at my ex-wife, just angry, mm -hmm. I guess, at the situation. Right. And I was like, I need somehow, by the grace of God... I realized I needed some help to sort through that. It's a grieving process. Well, you learn all those things. But in the moment, I'm saying it was hard to accept. Right. It's hard to accept that I needed help. And um, I'd never needed help in any way for 40 years. Mm -hmm. you know, thank God. But uh, we've been very self-sufficient, very, very successful, my ex-wife and I. And I never needed help in any way. Mm -hmm. And we were married so long, we saw so many of our friends get married and divorced. Oh, wow. We were the ones that it stayed. <laughs> so it was, we didn't, I never needed help. Mm -hmm. Now I did. And it was a real mind trip. Wow. And um, not something you want at that point of your life. No. Certainly not what you envision. Mm -mm. Not what you plan for yourself. And definitely not one you share. It, as a man, probably more so. Um, and, and not me. I guess I wasn't a sensitive male in those, or, or whatever. <laughs> well, I appreciate but. you sharing that because it's nice to get the male perspective on, you know, divorce and separation and relationships because you, we always hear the female side. Yeah. Not just one side or the other, but... We hear from the female perspective, and it's nice to hear from the man's perspective and what the man goes through because we always see that, oh, they'll be fine. They're a man. They're going to pick themselves up, and they're going to do fine. I think that's part of the male mantra, and like I said, I think it's all part of that. And where I grew up was very blue-collar. The man went to work, and in, in a lot of cases, the, the wife stayed home and raised the kids. But there was no option for the man. He went to work. Mm-hmm. Oh, your dad died? All right, well, you get today off. You go to work tomorrow. The man just worked and provided. Mm 
mm-hmm. and there that's it you don't get a chance to complain and you don't and i guess my my dad and my grand grandfathers were like that very loving people but you rarely heard them complain about having to go to work that was just that's what you did right there was no option and you didn't get to change careers <laughs> 20 years in you just no you work here and that's that's where you work happy, until you die <laughs> be happy that you're there and and so i think that's all p- part of me and and part of why i wouldn't necessarily want to share or talk about it and um but I'm sure glad, and that's why I say it's by the grace of God, because I don't know why else I would have thought to do it, mm-hmm. and then actually done it. Because we think a lot of things, but then right. actually following through and then doing it is, is different, and I did it. Mm-hmm. And I'm very happy that I did, even though the first couple of sessions were terrible. And you think, oh, I don't want to do that again. <laughs> but you have to sort through all that stuff. you yes. got to talk about it, which is hard, mm-hmm. because yes, you want to talk, you got to talk about it, but then you hear it. Mm-hmm. And it's really difficult. And then, and then you're going to own your stuff. That's what I was just going to say. And then you're going to get questioned on why did you do this and that. And you got to really dive deep into yourself. And probably, of course, I'd never had at that point. I hadn't no. had to. In other ways, sure. But, yeah, you have to accept everything you did wrong. Right. And, and how's that's, that? It's that's a hard thing for anybody. Because mm-hmm. we all make a lot of mistakes everybody yeah and, we do um, <laughs> when you hear it out loud it's not a lot of fun <laughs> no it's not I thought that was stupid so I say it was that? <laughs> it was very challenging mm-hmm. but I'm so glad that I did it but it, it's not an easy process like no. I said the one plus one didn't equal two <laughs> January rolled around and I was a big giant mess <laughs> I thought, why is this happening? I should be like forward. No, no doesn't work that no, way. No, doesn't work that way. No. Now, are you and your ex-wife still friends? You chat? Do no. You, and, you just uh, kind of separated completely? I, I moved away uh, 100%, and we don't have children, so there wasn't a reason to stay in touch. And I mm-hmm. think early on, I think it would have been more harmful had we. Okay. Because we had a loving relationship. It wasn't a contentious marriage or divorce mm-hmm. and so you know sometimes you need to get away from someone but it wasn't that it was just we had a lot of challenges not being able to have kids and we wanted different things at that point in life mm-hmm. and it was just well, you know we met when we were she was a freshman in college and I was just a couple years older I mean you're, whatever you think of your life at 18 and 20s <laughs> You know, that can change by the, different by the time you're in your 30s. And it's like, what do I really want out of life? And right. we just wanted different things. And, and it, so it was a sad divorce more than hateful. Mm-hmm. And so I think if we had stayed in contact early on, it would have been too hard for either of us to to move move on properly. Okay. And that was part of the reason why I moved away too. Um, could we now? I think we could, but it's sort of... Moved on. That it sort of moved show. on, yeah. yeah. But I only look back at it as, as a, a blessing in my life. But that's a hard thing to... You know, at that point in my life, it was half of my life. Literally half of my life. Mm-hmm. And we were fortunate enough to take a lot of trips together, do a lot of great many things happily together. And now i got boxes full of pictures and half my life. And it's like, well, do I throw it in the trash? Right. I don't want to look at it right. because it's too painful for years to look at it. Mm-hmm. But what do I do with all of that stuff? And what do I? What did half of my life just mean? Nothing. No. But, I, but you go through all those thoughts, mm-hmm. like 
because now that's gone. Did I lose 20 years of my life? Or it took me a while to realize, to look back on it as a, only a blessing and a gift because we, we did love each other unconditionally and had a love that I hope to replicate again someday. Mm-hmm. But I know it's possible. Mm-hmm. And I think for her too. I don't really speak for her, of course. Right. But um, I look back on it now as a blessing. Now, the pictures I'm still not displaying. <laughs> Let's not get ridiculous. I was going to say, now you got pictures up or oh, no. why? <laughs> but... For a while, I, I, I really I wasn't sure how to compartmentalize that. Uh-huh. As a man, we want to put it somewhere. Yeah, we want to put everything somewhere, and there was nowhere to put it. Uh-huh. So it was hard for me to figure out what to think of it, what to make of it. Do I never talk about it again? Do I? It's it, you. It is. That's what you have to come to accept. But in the and for a couple of years, it was just a hard thing to for me. I it's had a hard time hard- sorting through. Where what do I do with that? It's a hard pill to swallow because I, you know, I I can resonate with that a little bit because I have, you know, been in a relationship for fourteen years, and you still have same with you. I have those pictures. Yeah. Right. And what do you do with them? They're there. My kids pull them out every now and again when they come yeah. home to visit. It's like okay, have fun with that. <laughs> you guys can have fun with that. Mom, look at that. I don't care. <laughs> kind of thing. But um, it's, it makes us who we are. Yes. And it will be shameful to put that away. Yes. But you have to get to a point of understanding that. At least I did. Yes. That was the challenge. Yes. Um, because it was difficult. Because when I would meet somebody here and they'd say, oh, I'd always wanted to go to Hawaii. And I'd been multiple times. I'd go, oh, yeah, I've been. Well, let me see the pictures. And I'd go, oh, um, never no. mind. <laughs> But, a, but all of, like my life, because really the first half of it, I was in high school and college. That's yeah. So like my life, life as an adult had all been with her. Yeah. And every memory I had was tied to her, and it was a hard thing to. Where do I put that? Hmm. You can put your childhood as a sort of an easy thing to put somewhere, but my adult life at that point yeah. it was all with one person was now gone. But I'm yeah. only forty, so I know my life is far from over. Right. But it was hard to, it would really, I'd say maybe in some ways it's still hard, but not not anywhere close to that level. But it's kind of like, I have my wedding album. Now, am I ever going to want to look at that again? But I have a hard time just putting it in the garbage. Yes. And it certainly can't sell that at a garage sale. No, so. you can't put that in a Goodwill, right? <laughs> but I just feel like it'd be wrong to throw it in the garbage. But I don't have children to pass it on to or right. anything like that. So, but At so. some point you might have to. How Maybe. do you feel about that? Well, I'm, it, it, it sits in the garage in a box, so it's not hurting me or in my way. Right. But, yeah, at some point, I guess I'd have to throw it away. But then again, those pictures are of me being married. What's wrong with that? Was, that was you. You don't have to display it, but it was beautiful wedding, by the way. <laughs> so, beautiful pictures. Um, so, it's, yeah, those, those type of things that you have to sort of figure out. Yeah. That they don't drive you crazy and um but what do you do with them it's, right and all of that is uh in, it's an imprint on your dna it is it is and as i said it makes us who we are and it, it's that season in our life yeah it taught us a lesson we grew from it and it's just like a tree another branch and leaf 
that's there. Right? Yeah. And that leaf blowed away. So has blown away. So now here you are, four years into your acting career. I believe mm-hmm. five now. Yeah. <laughs> five years into your mm-hmm. acting career. Um, develop this whole new person, living this whole new life, and you know, creating another version of your authentic self. Right. Because you know, you were already authentic from the beginning. Mm-hmm. So now this is just an additional piece to you. Where do you see yourself going from here? You know, that's a it's a it's a great question because I'm not entirely sure because this was a new this has been a new venture for me, so to speak, that I, and I've embraced it and I love it. Mm-hmm. But I think I've also learned that something else could pop up around the corner and I need to be open to it. Yeah. And I don't know what that is because if somebody would have told me when I moved here that I would be acting, I would have just rolled my eyes and said, "Yeah, okay." <laughs> um, so I don't know, and I think it's okay not to know. Uh-huh. I think lots of times we feel like we need to know what we're going to do. I know what I did when I got married. It's like, oh, I'm going to get married when we graduate and we're going to have kids and blah, blah, blah. Right. And it's like all of a sudden, that's not where you're at. Um, but it doesn't feel okay. I think I'm at a point now where this is great and I embrace it and I love it. Um, but if something else comes along that I find a different passion for, that's okay too. Part of that reason is because I'm not married and I don't have to worry about taking care of somebody else at the moment. Mm-hmm. And that's where I think my whole life could change again. And that I'm, could change too, right? right? If yeah. I'm with somebody, I think my life changes differently because acting isn't a real stable thing to do in life. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, uh, I'd also want to spend more time with the, whoever she may be right. at that point. And uh, mm-hmm. that might change the dynamic. And that's okay. But I think for now, I'm open to... But I love acting because it's very creative. And I worked in an office, so to speak, for so many years, um, liked my job, but it was never a passion. Liked it. I never want to say I hated it. It never was true. I liked my job, but to say mm-hmm. I loved it, yeah. well, you worked. That was, right. That's what you do. you, you got to survive. <laughs> yeah. And I was lucky to have great jobs and work, but mm-hmm. love? But I do love acting, and I think part of that is because it's so different than being in an office all day long. Mm. Um, and there's creativity that you get to do and, and dive into characters. And, oh, it could be and, a different part uh, of you. Yes. And that's been just a lot of fun. Challenging, of course. I take it really seriously. and that, That's what I like to do. Some yeah. people take it a little less seriously. But no, I, no, I, I love to take that. it seriously. And uh, I appreciate that within you because you find again so many people who don't take it seriously and I'm new to it you know fresh one year <laughs> don't even have an agent yet kind of thing and um, even though it's right now it's part-time because I work full-time but I still find that I'm still putting that academic work into it if it's something mm-hmm. I want to do I'm going to put my best foot forward I'm going to yes. study I'm going to do my monologues. I'm going to practice in front of a camera. Right. And you, you, nobody realizes that if there's something that's within you that's a passion, you're going to work for it. Right. Because it's you. And you're bringing you to the table in anything that we do. And that, that's, um, thank you for saying that, because that's something that I really like to share with, with people that you can't just wake up and just throw you know, sheet to the wind, Right. you have to have at least some plan, some work 
yeah. into what it is that you, you do. really do. It's that, it's that tip of the iceberg thing where people see the tip of the iceberg and think that's it. But below the surface, that thing is 85 times the size of what we see uh, above the water. Right. And that and below the water is all the work and sacrifice you put in to, to most things to mm -hmm. make yourself successful. Because, yes, mine all started from the modeling, which really just happened serendipitously, obviously. Uh, but I put myself into it, for one. That was one step I made. But I could have left it alone at that. Mm -hmm. I chose to go further. And when I chose to go further, I put in the work. Right. So anything that's happened for me is because I've put myself out there and worked really hard to make it happen. Not because I just sort of, yeah, I'll go audition for this and now I'm in a movie. Yeah. That, that can happen, it but can. it's not going to happen very <laughs> Thank you. consistently. It doesn't happen to everyone. But you're probably not going to get much of a role at that point either. No. And I like to, to do the bigger parts because I, that's just what I like to do. Mm -hmm. And that's not going to happen regularly. It may happen by default right. once or twice. But um, you really got to put in the work. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of artists feel like, well, I don't want to work that way. I'm an artist. And it's like, well, no, you still have to put in the work. Mm -hmm. the, the the difference is you get to do this rather than working in a coal mine. Exactly. You know, that's work. That's work. <laughs> that's hard. That's suffering. <laughs> you memorizing some lines and someone, you know, you could put a little effort for that. Exactly. And still be an artist. Exactly. Okay? That's how I view it. So, I and I think having worked in an academic background for so many years, I view it a little differently. Mm -hmm. And worked in a professional setting for so many years. Mm -hmm. When I'm on a set, I come at it professionally that maybe a lot of artists don't because they haven't worked. A lot of actors and artists have never really worked in an office or, or in a, a traditional professional environment. So they mm -hmm. don't have that same mindset or thought process. Right. I think it's been beneficial to me um, because I have and I approach it that way. Mm -hmm. And so every director I've worked with to a person He's asked me back for something else, and I think it's because they know I come prepared, ready. They know they can they can count on me, oh. and they know I'll deliver. But they know, but they've seen it not just once. Mm -hmm. You know, they know. And to me, that's more important than than anything else. Yes, is, uh, delivering. And you know, when they hired me for this, well, then I better deliver. Not just great. Okay, tell me when to show up. I'll be. No, no. No. If you're a part of it, be a part of it, 100 percent. Absolutely. And it's led me to a lot of really interesting things. I mean, and that's part of been the fun for me. One of the first, well, the very first thing I did was I was a judge. That was, a, that was an easy thing to be. I was like a panel judge. That was an easy gig. Then I played a detective, which I don't have any background in, in police or, or family that's been in. So I studied, and, and um, that was an interesting role. But playing a detective wasn't. A tremendous stretch for me, mm -hmm. like just thinking logically in that movie and the way the character was written wasn't mm -hmm. as much of a departure. But I really wanted to see what I could do. Oh, you want to stretch yourself. Yeah. And then, again, yeah, that's me growing growing, and, and, and putting myself out there. I didn't need to. Right. But uh, so I um, auditioned for a role in Los Angeles to play a uh, drug-addicted father. And thank, thankfully, I know nothing about drugs mm -hmm. um, in my life. Right. Um, but I wanted to say, well, could I could I do it and be real, mm -hmm. and and be realistic? And so, and I thought, wow, well, I, I went out to Universal to audition. I really, part of me was just like, that's just gonna be awesome to go to Universal just Studios right. and audition. 
the fact that they would just even the fact that, that I, they like, would even audition me at that point because right. I was pretty raw to star in this little movie. Uh, so I, but I, they send you know they send you a script, a mm-hmm. piece of the script, right? Your slide, and, and I studied it like crazy and prepared, and it's very emotional scene. I was like, oh boy, and it's easier to do that at home, but it, I was like, boy, can I be that emotional in front of everybody? And, and I went out and I killed the audition, but it was it was a weird experience because I was playing somebody I was so far for, removed from. Um, but it goes back to again when I moved here, no nobody knew me at all, so they only knew me as a single divorce guy. And when I went in front of that room, nobody of the people casting that they didn't know me at all. Maybe I was maybe I had a drug problem that I was drawing on. Right. Or something. From what so they, I was thinking, oh, but they don't know right. what my background is. So can I pull this off? But they don't have any preconceived notion of, oh, it's this guy and you know, right. he's not going to be able. They had no preconceived notion of that. And then I, so they cast me in that. We filmed that in Universal. And that was a, a, a real stretch, obviously. And um, I did a lot of preparation and, and studying to to do that role and it was uh, really challenging and, and then that just caused me to oh stretch myself for no re- nobody said you should nobody's you know you can get in a lane and just play a father every time or a cop right. i just wanted to keep doing different things and so i was on and i really just liked the process of the audition mm. um so i was auditioning for all sorts of stuff that was way far removed from who i am ah. just to see if i could do it but it stretches you and, and a lot of them you. I got, and a lot, plenty of them I didn't get, because that's right. how. It, but I liked to see. I like I like pushing myself to say, could I do that? Could I play that mm-hmm. convincingly? And I think sometimes I did. Right, that's how, how I think. <laughs> but sometimes they they're only looking for a certain thing when they cast. It's not even the acting. It's like, oh, well, you're not tall enough. You're too, you're too fat. You're too skinny. You're mm-hmm. too well. We want someone with red hair. But right. I, it was one of the very first commercial. I learned this really early on. One of the very first commercial auditions I went in on was a Harley Davidson commercial, mm. and one of it might have been the very, it was the very first one I did. Either way, there was this big audition process, and then and I thought, well, I'm never going to get that. It was just a weird. And then they called me back, and they had four of us that came back as finalists mm-hmm. for this commercial. And they had all of us in this green room ahead of time, which normally they don't put all the actors in the same space, but they did. Mm. And all these other guys were from L.A. and had all these more TV and right. credit. And then there's me. And all these three other guys look like your more traditional Harley Davidson, you know, bigger guys, tattoos, long hair. And then there's me. I don't look anything <laughs> like these three. I look nothing like those three. They all look exactly the same, more or less, and then there's me. And I auditioned, and I'm, I was talking to the director, and he's like, I loved your audition. And this is what he said to me. So I'd learned right away early on, too. He goes, you're not at all what we're looking for, but your audition was so great that we thought we'd bring you back and see if that's the way we want to go. Mm-hmm. So they'd written it for the traditional biker guy. biker guy. But they just liked the way I auditioned. And sometimes they can pivot, depending mm-hmm. on a script or a story. And change the look of a person. 
Mm-hmm. But then they end up giving it to one of the other guys. But I, but it gave me really valuable knowledge there. It's like, oh, it's not always about you. No matter how good you are, yes, it's not about you. They have something else in mind. Yes. And you can still be great, and it's not going to happen. Because yeah. only one person can do it. You know, they can't pick multiple people. They can only pick one. Mm-hmm. So it was really great for me early on to learn that. And I was working a regular job anyway, so it wasn't like I was devastated. I was like, oh, whatever. Okay, <laughs> great. And then they called me back and did another one. And so, But uh, I learned, yeah. Because it was so weird. I remember sitting in that room, and I had done nothing. And these guys were talking, yeah, oh, yeah, you were on Law & Order. Yeah, me too. And <laughs> you did this commercial, and I'm... Nobody's talking to me. I'm this idiot in the corner thinking, why am I even in this room with these? Are we on the same commercial shoot, these guys? Because I don't look at anything like them. So this candid camera? Right. So it was a good experience, and that's that's part of this world. It's just yeah. it's a wacky, wacky, non-business business yeah. um, that uh, does so many things against the grain. And uh, yeah. But I really wanted to stretch myself as an actor. What could I do? What couldn't I do? So I've just put myself out there for a lot of roles, and I'm sure I've been terrible at times, and that's okay, too. I'm not. At least I don't care. Mm-hmm. But even if I know I'm terrible or, or, or it's not me, I still prepare the same way. Mm-hmm. I still study the same way. I still go at it the same way. Maybe I can't do it. Right. But at least I will try. That. I won't, oh, I can't really do that, so I'll just sort of go halfway and if it happens. No, I still go 100%. Even if I know it's probably too much of a stretch in one way or another. But that's, so, that's awesome. I think that's part of acting, though. It is. Like, can you really act? That, to me, because it took me... I did, you know, the other thing. You do these roles, and commercials come out right away. Commercial isn't really acting. I mean, you say a line, or, yeah, here's your pizza, or whatever. It's not, like... Mm-hmm. It's more reaction rather than acting. But I did that detective movie, and I did some other stuff. And But you don't see the finished product for, could be a year. year. Could be longer. <laughs> so I had done some things, but never seen myself act, other than a commercial, which I said is like nothing. That's mm-hmm. not like... So I wasn't really sure if I could. And this might sound weird, but like I auditioned for that drug addict role. I didn't know if I could... I'd never seen myself on film at that point. Mm-hmm. So why I thought I should even go further, I don't know. But I did. And then I did that, and I didn't see that for the longest time. Um, but I did another movie where I played an abusive father, and when I finished that, and thank, thankfully, again, I don't know anything about abuse, right. abusive family-child relationships. Mm-hmm. Thank God. It was another stretch role. And when I finished that role, and so now it's like a couple years in, and when I saw that, I was like, it will sound a little, you know, narcissistic I guess but I was like well I guess I can do it I had still hadn't seen the other stuff they, they did this one really quick it was a short film and I was like it won a lot of awards and I was like oh I guess I thought I could at that right. point obviously because I kept getting called back but I still hadn't seen myself I've seen it with an audience mm-hmm. see myself because yeah you send something to your family and their friends oh that was great it's like, was yeah, it I don't, I don't know, know. <laughs> Might not have been. Thank you. So but, that was uh, true validation for you. That was. That, but that's when I finally thought, oh, I can do it. Mm-hmm. Still, not greatness is irrelevant. Right. Like how good I can, but I know I can. Because I played somebody that's polar opposite of me, and people really bought into it and believed it. It's like, oh, I can do that. Mm-hmm. And that just gave me a little bit more fire. And 
fuel, but it's a challenge. It is a challenge. And when you play those roles, they're tough because if you really get into it, it sticks with you. You, know, you don't just, yes. unless you're a real sociopath, you don't just <laughs> turn it off as soon as they say rap. All right, I'm done. Yeah. Um, it's like, hard to, I mean, I play that abusive father, and then for like a week, I was just bitter and angry. Like, we were done yes. filming, but I came back home because I was out of town. I came back home, and I was just like angry and yelling at everything. And somebody finally said, why are you so angry? I, like, I don't know. <laughs> just angry. I realized, oh, it's still part of like in me. I had to play this horrible person for a right. week. And, and that stuff listen. stays with you. Yeah. And but, I had to get it out of me. But it shows the kind of person you are. You're very, I would say, I'm sorry, my phone's being it, but I thought I shut it off. But you're a very empathic person because you, it takes a level of empathy to even have that sit with you even after you're done. So, you know, that's great because not everyone has that. Well, Especially that, men. That <laughs> comes from my mother. It's She's your mother. very, very uh, empathic person. She worked for years with, um, you know, mentally, physically handicapped people. And um, so, and she's very much that way. And, and uh, I know I get what I do have of that because a lot of people tell you I have none. <laughs> uh, but what I do have comes from her, no question. No question. No, you have some. <laughs> you have some. <laughs> I can witness that for <laughs> You have some. Um, but yeah, so definitely that, that shows. But yeah, I don't, I don't want to take any more of your time. Okay. You know, I, I do really appreciate you um, coming to talk to me. I'm sure I probably will have you come back again. I would love um, to. Because there's, I, I, I see the layers in you. Thank you. You know, and... Um, well, that's what, one thing I really enjoyed about your podcast when you started doing it is because you're dealing with a lot of personally emotional, real things in life. And um, a lot of podcasts are just, you know, funny or irreverent, so to speak. But you're dealing with, like, real issues in people's lives yeah. and how people deal with that. That's what, it, what I find very interesting. And I think a lot of people do, too. And I think, especially yeah. in the world of acting, people think it's all fun and games. And it can be, of course. Of course. But it's just like everything else. It can be... Probably most people in it are damaged in some way. Yes. I don't think I'm damaged, but I went through stuff. You went through stuff. And like I said, I wouldn't have probably been an actor if I hadn't gone through anything. Right. Like I would have never done it when no. I was younger, but I'd gone through stuff and it, it had married, an impact on Being married, being home yes. with your wife, you, you had no thoughts of doing it. It changed the imprint on my DNA, of course. Absolutely. And it took me in this direction. Take people in other directions. It took me in this direction. And it took you in this one, which is yeah. totally positive. And... That's what I like to show that everything that happens that is negative in our lives doesn't have to have a negative end. It doesn't have to, and I think I would say the biggest ability for it not to be is your own self. Yes. How do you look at it? You're looking at the day as partially sunny or partially cloudy. Mm -hmm. Which do you prefer, the sun or the clouds? Exactly. Because you can look at it either way. And there's always going to be a negative consequence in life, but mm -hmm. it's so easy to say you just learn from it and move on. But, I mean, mm -hmm. you, you still, you do have your own mindset. You want to be happy about it or angry about it. I've learned that through counseling mm -hmm. and through the divorce support group. Like, how do you want to, how do you want to deal with it? Right. Because you do have the choice. 
choice. You'll still be angry and upset at sometimes, but you still have the choice of how you want to handle that. If you want to just be, and by the grace of God, I'll say this too. I know we're trying to wrap up, but I had to pay support to my ex-wife. And the first time I wrote the check, now I'm dating myself because nobody writes checks anymore. <laughs> but the first time I wrote the check, I was just pissed off and angry. Mm-hmm. And the second month when I went to write that check, this truly by the grace of God, it just hit me. And it's like, you know what? I'm going to have to do this every month. And I can really choose to be just bitter and angry and mm-hmm. run around, you know, yelling and screaming. Or I can just write the check and move on. And it's God is my witness. That's how it, I never had a bitter thought after that first month. Mm-hmm. But that's only because of God. Because right. I, nobody else was. was and I was able to turn that switch. I don't know how. I, I didn't do that. Mm-hmm. Something within me from above, whatever. Whatever. Right. Buddha. I don't care what you believe in. Right. It Something, wasn't me. Some divine intervention happened. Something helped me not be bitter and angry that I was writing that check mm-hmm. after the first month. Because I could have been for years. Yeah. Because I had to write it for you. I could have been really horrible in my own head and angry mm-hmm. about it. And I never chose to be. Yep. So it's a choice. So it, there's always a choice. There's always and that's, a choice. And that little moment in time, and is why I bring that up, it's helped me all these years later. So it's like, you do have a choice. You do have a choice. You do have a choice. Not yep. easy. No. But we always have a choice to how we want to look at something, handle something, deal with something. And mm-hmm. it's okay to, to be bitter and angry at times because mm-hmm. you got to get it out of you. But there's also time to put that away. Yep. And everyone's on their own time schedule. That's the other thing, too. Absolutely. Like my one plus one equals two. <laughs> that's, that's a whole different metric for every single individual. That's right. And who are we to judge that it's going to take somebody else longer than it took us? No, there's no time. It's like grieving. You don't have a time limit on grief. And any part of your life that changes that dramatically, there's a level of grief. Yeah. Yeah, and I'll share this too. Um, I have a friend who's who's, uh, a very good friend of mine whose mother passed away this year. And a few months, uh, yeah, a few months ago, I guess. Really having a hard time with it. She was a single mom, and they were very close. And um, he's having a hard time with it. He just reached out to me, and he's like, "Ah, I'm really having a hard time with it. He's a man. So he's like, I'm not, he's like, I don't even want to reach out to you. I don't want to talk to you. But he sent me a text, I don't want to talk to you about it, but I'm having a hard time with it. I'm having a hard time. And I said, Hey, and this is true. I'm filming a movie currently um, where the guy gets divorced. And it was very, it took me right back to my own personal circumstance. Yeah. That, it caused me great angst that day. Mm-hmm. And on set, it made me look like I was a great actor. And it was really just natural. <laughs> it's like, I'm just really, it's but, like, I'm just leaving my life right now. But it, but it had been eight years since we've been divorced. Mm-hmm. And I'm not crying every day or right. for years. But still, eight years later, in that moment, it hit me. Something hit you right then. And I told him, I said, look, first off, it's only been a few months. But I said, it's going to hit you next year. It just hit me. I started and said, look, this hit me eight years later. It's okay. Mm-hmm. It's going to happen. You're human. Exactly. If it doesn't happen, maybe you're not human. <laughs> but you're human. <laughs> maybe you're a psychopath. <laughs> <laughs> but it wasn't easy for me that day because I, I don't want to say I thought I'd put those away, but I thought I'd move past that. But mm-hmm. that in that moment, in that scene, it brought me right back, brought you right back. to 
to where that was, and that all the emotion I had in that scene was natural and real, and not the character. Mm-hmm. It helped for the character, <laughs> but but it wasn't purposeful right. in that regard. And it's gonna it probably hit me again. It probably will. And so it's okay. And mm-hmm. so that's part of life. Yeah, it's part there's of. There's no healing. time frame. We were talking about time, but there's no time frame. You'll feel better in a year. You'll mm-hmm. feel better in two years, but it doesn't go away. No. A scent, a song. Yeah. Yes. Especially that kind of stuff. Yes. It, it triggers. Those yep. are those are your triggers. You know, I think I talked in the episode about your triggers and acknowledging your triggers. Those are your triggers. Yeah. And you have to own it and just cope and find a way through it. Yeah. Learn how to manage them in time. In time. In time. Everything happens in time. Doesn't have to be today. Doesn't have to be tomorrow. No. But be forgiving to yourself. That's Yes. Excellent point. That's really it. I had to forgive myself. And that's not easy. No. We're our own worst critics, our own biggest enemies. Right. (laughs) (laughs) Well, because forgiving ourselves means that we have to acknowledge we actually did something wrong. Correct. Nobody wants to admit that they did anything no. wrong, especially in relationships. Especially out loud. Exactly. In our head, you can say, oh, yeah, yeah when I see them, I'll tell them. <laughs> then you never do. <laughs> yeah. But when you say it out loud, it's like, oh. Then it becomes real. Yeah. 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 But you own it. And, and that's the growth in us all. When you own it, grow from it, and make those choices to do better moving forward. And yeah. you know not what not to do. When you come across the same thing again, right? Hopefully. Hopefully. Uh, we can only hope, right? <laughs> we won't make the same idiotic mistakes again. Well, we'll uh, we all do that too sometimes. Oh, but yeah. It's like, I still uh, find myself doing stupid stuff. I'm like, oh, that was dumb. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, you know, my husband looks at me like, I'm like, yeah, I'm sorry. It wasn't really stupid. I get it. <laughs> get it. Yeah. Yeah. You know? That's the challenge is... Uh, that's the self-examination that I think is never-ending, that we'd like to think, oh, I know who I am. Well, yeah. you, you might for today. Good luck with that. But you might not be that tomorrow or next year. Exactly. So you always have to sort of self-examine mm-hmm. for your own mental state. Absolutely. Uh, Absolutely. Especially when there's big life changes. You know, that's Ooh. the thing. Because you still are the same person, but there's something traumatic that's happened in your life that has changed you. Mm-hmm. Good or bad. I mean, imagine if you won the lottery. Oh, man. Okay, that's a good thing, but it's going to change who you are. It is. Whether you, people say, ah, oh, it's not going to change me. It'll, it'll change it'll you. It'll change you. Because now you don't have the pressures that you had before. Mm-hmm. It doesn't mean that, that you'll be a terrible person, right. necessarily. But if it doesn't change you, there's something wrong. There's something wrong. <laughs> then give me that ticket. <laughs> right, let me, let me have it. It should change you. I'll own the change. <laughs> it should change you in some ways, even in a good way, but it right. should change you. Mm-hmm. And you got to know, and you're different at 40 than 20. That's what I, part of, you know, when we're going through our own lives, we think we're the same person. Oh. But then when something stark hits you in the face, you realize, oh, well, I'm not the same person that I was at 20. I had a whole different view of life, mm-hmm. uh, unrealistic, like all of us, <laughs> right. of relationships and mm-hmm. life. And it, you are a different person on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. And you have to understand that as best yeah. you can constantly. And yes. is that fun? No. 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 It's not fun. No. Oh my gosh, no. <laughs> but it's... It's who we are. It is it's part it of life. 
part of life. It makes us human. And if we don't go through those changes, then, you know, we're, we're, we're going to be stagnant. And, you know, no one likes to be stagnant. No. It's not a good place to be. It's not. Comfortable. Yes. Right? Comfortable. And so much of our lives has been comfortable. Yes. So now we're all living to, you know, having to learn to deal with that uncomfortable yeah. feeling. I think, you know, that's one of the greatest lessons of, uh, I have this quote, and I'm going to mangle it so I won't try, but as a marathoner, I saw this quote once. I was trained for my first marathon. You run a lot of miles. It's been a lot of time. And I read this from this guy uh, that's an ultra marathon. He said, you have to learn to find comfort in being uncomfortable. Mm. And if you're a marathon runner, you, yes, you have to learn to be comfortable at mile 20 when you know it hurts, but you got a ways to go. And you got to learn to internalize that and be, and it's okay to be uncomfortable. Running really has been a big metaphor in my life. It helped me deal with things in that way. Like learning that it's okay to hurt. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Guess what? I still finished. That's it. And you'll finish everything in life, you know, and it, it really, but I'm learning that. You got to learn. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Yes. You got to learn that. Yeah. And sometimes I'll do that getting off on a running tangent, but I run every day in the morning, first thing. Sometimes I'll run in the middle of the afternoon because I don't want to, and I know it'll be uncomfortable. And I do that on purpose. Because I know it's going to be terrible, and I'm going to bitch and moan the whole time I do it. But I know it's going to pay dividends down the line that, yeah. I, that I did something I didn't want to do that didn't hurt me. No. It was just uncomfortable. Yeah. Now, in the summer, different story. I wouldn't do that oh, in the middle gosh. of the summer here. But um, I ran the other day, like at midday, and I don't, I don't like doing that. It just feels like it changes my whole day around, it and it's uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. But I did it on purpose. And it's, it's, it's those things of learning to be uncomfortable and, and learning that that's okay. Yeah. You don't need to be comfortable every moment of your life. We all want to be or think we do. We think we do, right. But you got to learn that, you know, most of the time, it's okay if you're not. Yeah. And, uh, Absolutely. So. Uh -huh. Well, we're going to end on that note. Yes. It's okay to be uncomfortable. <laughs> I like it. Um, I say it a lot to my students uh, who are very uncomfortable in my class. Because <laughs> I make them do a lot of work. Um so it's, I always start off with that. It's okay to be uncomfortable. Everyone is in the same boat as you are when you come in for the first day of class and going to be the same way when you're in the last day of class. So, um, yeah, we're going to end with it's okay to be uncomfortable. Well, thank you again for joining me. And um, we'll plan another session, of, of course, because, um, again, this is season two, so... Um, we got a lot to go on. <laughs> well, it was my pleasure. It really was my pleasure. I appreciate it. It was a, it was really enjoyable. I'd love to do it again. And this movie I talked about that I'm filming right now, it's a, it's a lot of uh, biographical in a lot of ways. So I oh. would love to talk about that at another time. Absolutely. Because it, Father's Day, right? Yes. Now I'm acting in a lot of things that actually happened uh, because I wrote it. And mm -hmm. so that's kind of a mind trip, too. But, uh, Definitely. So we're going to stay tuned for Father's Day because that's going to be our next conversation once once you're all done. You. Yes. But thank you very much for having me. It's been a lot of fun. I enjoyed the podcast. All of them. Thank you. So, thank you. I appreciate it. Dealing you. with real stuff. That's what it's really good. Yes. Real stuff, real issues, and hopefully teaching some ways to cope and, and get through and, and let people know that they're not alone, even though they feel like they're alone.
right? So thanks. Great. Thanks, Sam. I want to thank Chris again for sharing so much of himself and a part of him that probably a lot of people don't even know about him. So I am definitely blessed to have you in my company and doing the podcast. So thank you again. Um, again, if anyone would like to reach out to Chris Tadenka, he is available on Facebook. He has his IMDB page as well. And you can also reach out to me and I can definitely connect the two of you. Um, if you have any further questions, because as a man, again, sharing that part of you is an intimate part of yourself. And I do appreciate the vulnerability that it took for him to be a part of the podcast today. Um, so if you would like to reach out to me, my email is dc at com. You can also reach me on Facebook, and that's going to be DC Soulful Eclectic. And also on Instagram. I am on Instagram and it's the period soulfuleclectic.com. And you can also reach me on my website, www.thesoulfuleclectic.com. And um, again, my, my, face, my uh, website is under construction, but it's still available for you to reach out and contact me. And I do get uh, feedback from there. And if you would like to be a part of the podcast, please feel free to send me an email or sign up on the website and I will get back to you. Thank you so much. And please take care of yourself and each other and, you know, check on your neighbors. We can all use a how are you. Take care. Namaste.